All right. Hey, everybody. Hey, church. Good morning. All right, here we go. If you're in the hallways, come on in. I'm going to start with a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to have a, uh, a call to worship. We should have a great service today. All right. Thank you, God, that we could be here, that we could praise you, we could think about you, we could learn about you, and uh, see our friends also. Amen. All right, we're going to start with a call to worship. And uh, first, I want to... Um, we're, we're, we're at the first service of Advent, I believe. I think that's what it is. And uh, we're excited about it. I get to play some uh, Christmas music. Hopefully, you guys, we, we have some, uh, a fan here. And uh, let's, see what we, let's see what we have today. It should be a great service. All right, so we're going to start with a call to worship. How about everybody get on up? I know there's just a few of us in here right now. It'll fill out. And I am going to, where it says leader, that'll be me. And you guys can do where it says all. There we go. And let's, let's see how we go here. All right. In God's house, we can be joyful. We can be grateful. We can be hopeful. In God's house, we could be weary. In God's house, we could be honest. This is God's house. You are welcome exactly as you are. Oh, 
You may be seated. Good morning, church family. I'm Deb McCormick. And since this is, as I said, the first um, Sunday of Advent, um, I'll be doing the first reading. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And then we're going to have a responsive reading. I'll be the reader, and when you see it all, then that is what you do. And if you'd like to stand for this, that'd be great. How does a weary world hope? The words of hope by lighting candles in the night and planting seeds in the winter that will bloom in the spring. By praying for children as they grow and picking up trash on the sidewalk, can make a difference. There are a million ways to practice hope, so today we light the candle of hope as a reminder and a charge. Uh, here, we're going to break out some Christmas carols in this. Uh, the first one is not quite a Christmas carol, but it is completely related. Here we go. Bad. 
Good morning again. Um, I have the honor of leading testimony time this morning, or times when you are seeing the light of the Lord breaking through. Um, this week, um, I saw the light of the Lord breaking through, and um, we had word that our little two-year-old grandson had RSV, so, you know, right away you worry. But then his mom and dad sent videos of him being really silly, um, and that was light to me, definitely light. He's just fine. Would anyone else have like anything to share when they saw the Lord's light shining through? No? Oh, oh, oh. Hey, church, good to see everybody. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Dan, and, and I'm retired, but I served as a missionary doing Christian peacemaking work around the world and training a lot of people. And uh, there's been a lot of bad stuff in the news, the Israel-Palestine war, the war in Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. And I know people in all those situations and pray for them daily. And I hear from people daily. And uh, this week, I heard from one of our friends who's in Ethiopia. There's been a lot of fighting in Ethiopia recently, but there was this small uh, conflict that hasn't made the news, but two ethnic groups going at it with each other. And um, my friend got in touch, heard what was going on, and found there were all these 20-year-olds who were engaging in peacemaking and mediation across the ethnic sides. And he ended up uh, going and training them and doing that kind of work and supporting them. And, and it's just amazing. Nobody knows about this stuff except the Lord and the people who are there and now you. But, you know, we sang about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And it doesn't make it in the news, but Jesus is at work in so many people in so many ways. And I just want you to know that. God bless. Yes. Um, I've just been feeling pretty, just kind of depressed lately, and it's not totally gone now, but yesterday I was praying to God about it, and I feel like he told me to just like tell someone about it, 
So I told my mom and she was just so helpful and patient and that just helped me so much. And um, I was reminded of something that my friend once told me because I just loved the wording she used. She said occasionally God gives us all like what she calls the holy poke to, <laughs> to tell us like, hey, you gotta do something and here's what you do. And that was really nice for me. Um, hi, I'm Eric. I've only been here a few times, but um, my best friend and his wife were on the precipice of divorce and they uh, just reconciled. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of been a long time coming. I think they, um, you know, they really started leaning on God. I think that was really what happened and reflecting on what they had done. And I think they're learning to forgive. And I think ultimately that's what happened was just grace kind of abounded within the relationship and, and, and brought them back together. And so, you know, amen. All expressions of the Lord's light. Thank you, guys. Hi, I'm Sandy. Um, we're going to do an affirmation of faith. We're going to read it together, so it should be showing up on the screen. So we're reading all of this together as one. There's no taking turns, okay? <laughs> so it's, we believe in a God who hears our prayers, who knows the shape and form of our weariness. We believe in a God which wants joy and delight for us, not just survival and existence. We believe in a God who looks ahead, who is not done dreaming for the world, a God who sends hope in the form of people and change, movements and spirit, and so we return to the space. We bring our joy and our weariness like two sides of the same coin. And we trust that God is already at work. Yes, we believe in a God who hears our prayers. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Genesis. My name is Greg, and um, yeah, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Um, please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out either the digital connection card on our website or the physical green card in your pew. If you have a smartphone, you can open the camera app and point it at the square QR code in the pew in front of you. Uh, you can place that physical green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. Uh, this is also where you can place your offering if you have brought it with you. Genesis is operated fully by your faithful and generous support. Thank you to all who give in person, online, or through text. You are funding the vision to change the world through creating spaces of belonging, through helping ind individuals identify and develop their calling, and through taking action for the good of others. That's our vision. 
This month, we are celebrating our volunteers. If you are a volunteer in our community, we want to celebrate with you. Please join us next Sunday, December 10th at 8.30 a.m. for an all-team breakfast. Um, as it's Advent, we have an Advent calendar. You can download it onto your smartphone or computer via Google or Apple calendars. Um, if you're not a smartphone person like me, uh, you can find a printed and stapled one. It's out uh, these doors by the chalkboard, and it looks like this. These calendars have access to daily scripture readings, weekly prayers, and weekly activities to engage yourself in your family in Advent. We would love for you to join us and participate in this. Um, it's the 3rd of December, so if you're like me, it's like, I've already missed two days. Uh, it's starting today, so uh, don't let that stop you from, from joining the Advent calendar. The Warming Center is kicking off tomorrow at Star Presbyterian, um, so I'm just going to pray right now. God, we, we just pause right now and we quiet ourselves and we, um, we think of the volunteers that are going to be staffing the Warming Center um, over this season, and uh, we just pray for your grace and your spirit to imbue them, um, that they would love like you, and we pray for all the guests. Um, and um, yeah, just be with, be with everyone involved with the Warming Center and um, keep everyone safe and warm. And um, we thank you for the opportunity to love our community. Amen. For those who have experienced loss, the joy of the holiday season can often feel elusive and out of reach. As a result, churches around the world have adopted the practice of a blue Christmas, um, or a longest night service on the winter solstice. These services are designed to provide a space of prayer, reflection, and remembrance amidst the twinkle lights and holiday hustle and bustle. Join us on December 21st at 6 p.m. Uh, plan to be with us on Christmas Eve. It's on a Sunday, so it's a little bit different this year. We're not going to have the Sunday morning 10 a.m. service. We're going to have one service at 5 p.m. Also, we're going to eat together. We eat together. We like to make a practice of eating together on the first Sunday of the month, so that's today. So join us. After the service, we're going to be in the South Hall, and uh, I'm excited for all the food. It'll be great. Um, yeah, and during the service, we, Bo has, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, <laughs> there's like these craft supplies that everyone needs to come up during connection time to grab, or you can send a representative. So you're going to take one of each. We have black paper. Uh, you can pick a color of your choice. There's a wooden dowel and pens. So make sure that you have your supplies. And um, yeah, uh, come and get those. And I don't think I missed anything. So please connect with those around you. Thanks.
Okay, all you lovely chatty people. We do. I like to talk the most. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. This is your cue to sit down and stop being so darn social. Those lights are really bright. How do you do this? Those lights are bright. Okay, good morning. Um, we are one more announcement just for me. Um, in an effort to have our church be welcoming and friendly and um, have room for new people, I am looking for four people who like small people, uh, twos, threes, fours. At the moment, my twos, threes, and fours are all in the same room, and there's too many of them. We cannot have guests and visitors, and um, honestly, it's not super nice to our volunteers either. So I'm looking for four new people who would be willing to serve once a month. If that might be you, come see me. Just because you come see me does not mean you signed your life away. You can talk about it. We can see how it looks. So that's my first request. My second request is I'm looking for one or two people, extroverts. Okay, so if that's you, if you're an extrovert, I'm looking for one or two people who like to show up to events and want to help with things. You don't have to be in charge of things. You don't necessarily have to be with children. You're just an extrovert. You want to come. You want to talk to all the people. If that's you and you might like to do that, also come see me. That's all. Awesome. Thank you, Manya. Well, good morning, church. Happy Advent. Um, Advent is the beginning of the, the liturgical calendar year in the church. So the church has a calendar year. This is the beginning. It sort of starts it and moves us into out of the ordinary time into the non-ordinary time. And so for the next four weeks, but for us, we're gonna go through the holiday of Epiphany. So that will be the next six weeks. Um, we're gonna be stepping into Advent. And the theme this year is, how does a weary world rejoice? Now, um, that, that is combining this idea that of weariness and joy together, that these things can be combined. They don't cancel each other out. The, the theme comes from a group of pastors, theologians, and artists, uh, the group of women once called Sanctified Art, and they put together resources for faith communities. I love Sanctified Art. I love the materials they put through, the liturgies, the prayers, the things you're seeing was created by them. I love that it's a group of female pastors, for one, and I love that we use part of our money to go towards that because otherwise the majority of us continue to fund what's like us, white guys. And uh, we learn so much when we listen and learn from others. So I think that the tools and the resources of this are beautiful. You can check it out. It's called Sanctified Art if you want to learn more about um, these artists and pastors who have created these materials. So we're using their template this year for advent and the theme comes from the song oh holy night so if you're familiar with that song um so let, let's sing it together some have said i kind of look like josh groban <laughs> especially when i had a beard 
but sound nothing like him. So that's where the analogy breaks down. And so, um, and you'll notice that pretty quickly. So let's, let's sing, we're going to sing verse 1, and you'll see the reference to, to Advent this year. And we're also going to sing um, verse 3. This is a combination of, um, of these lyrics. And so let me pick a key, or if that scares you, extroverts, start the song. <clears throat> Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious norm here it is right fall on your knees oh hear the angel's voices oh night divine When Christ was born, oh, night divine, oh, night. When Christ was born, verse 3, truly he taught to love one. The song was written in 1843, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus praise thee all within us praise his holy name Christ is the Lord Oh pray Ever pray, praise Thee, Noel, Noel, Noel. Come on, Whitney. 
Take us there. Divine. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, nobody knows how to end that song. Nobody. I had other lyrics. All right. Wonderful. Oh, Holy Night. The theme of this year is the question. Well, how does a weary world rejoice? And so a portion of this is it acknowledges, for one, our world is weary. We are weary. And that doesn't eliminate our joy, but there's a posture of just saying, yeah, we are part of a weary world. We acknowledge it. And Karina, who leads us off with beautiful vulnerability and authenticity, our young people typically do that. Cut right through it and say, I'm feeling down. I'm depressed. And the spirit of life, God, tells me, tell someone. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the weariness. And so she does. She acknowledges it in connection with another, her mom. Beautiful. So how does a weary world rejoice? And so today we're starting with this, is saying first, we acknowledge we're weary. So this song, controversial, was written by an atheist and composed by a, a Jewish man. Right? So neither of them we're like, you know, like, we found themselves in what people would call the typical stream, who you think would write a hymn. Doesn't matter, does it? God speaks through everyone and illuminates through everyone, even those that we don't think that are part of the tribe, the family. Um, and then that verse three was so controversial because this is 1843. Slavery is around and this writer is making a point. What makes us weary? A world that in, endorses and is fueled and is making profit from slavery. An abolitionist heard this song and brought to the United States and started singing it. You don't think that made people squirm in churches? You don't think there were communities who wanted to sing that line? Who could feel the weariness of our world, even in the song that they were singing? And so today we pause and we say, oh, how does a weary world rejoice? Well, we acknowledge our weariness and the things that make us weary. So that's what we're going to do today. But not only that, we're going to not only acknowledge the weariness of our world, we're also going to be seeking real and daily moments of joy. Um, if you try to just block off the emotions of weariness, of depression, of, the, of heaviness, or anxiety, of disappointment, and you kink that hose of your emotions, you also kink the emotions of joy. Because you can't suppress one without suppressing them all. And so we want the hose to be open, is the analogy. So we can fully acknowledge our weariness, but also that we can truly believe and know that joy is breaking in, and there's moments of it for all of us. We want to create a space for acknowledging the weariness of the world while celebrating God's closeness with great joy. That might feel like that's a hard thing to do, but we want to step in that today. So, 
Today comes, did everyone get one piece of black scratch art paper and one piece of colored paper? Everyone is going to need one of each, a wooden dowel to, to be able to poke the person next to you and they doze off. Um, but to scratch on the paper. So if you didn't get one, you need a pen, you need a beautiful colored piece of paper, and you need a dowel. And what we're going to do, I'm going to invite you through the whole time that we're talking to, um, to use these. The black one is this. What makes you weary? What makes you weary? And you can scratch and you can write. This is your weary list. This is your weariness list. And on the colored, the beautiful sheet, so find a color you like. Don't pick one that annoys you or makes you angry. <laughs> Hi. What brings you joy? So those are two questions that through the remainder of our time, I want to invite you, as an idea comes to your brain, write it down. You have the freedom to engage this conversation that is happening internally within you. What makes you weary? What brings you joy? And if you're on Zoom, in there, if you just wanna have two sheets of paper, or if you're on Facebook, two sheets of paper, what makes you weary? What brings you joy? And you can make your list. Now, as we talk about this, about acknowledging our weariness and also um, celebrating God's closeness with great joy, the text that we're looking at is Luke chapter 1, and it's with Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, and we'll read this story together. And so let me, let me read this. This is, um, I know I said Acts, but Luke 1, and we're going to start at verse 5. Luke 1, verse 5. We're going to go to verse 23 for the majority of the chapter. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. If we were Jewish and we knew the Old Testament stuff, this is really significant of the heritage that both these people have. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the, the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. This is as well a very Jewish practice when the temple was still operational. The temple was destroyed in like 70 AD. But there was a whole arc of worship that happened daily and weekly and monthly. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, 
and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Well, he'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Again, another reference to an Old Testament story that many people who were reading this for the first time were Jewish knew these stories of what they're meaning. And he will prepare for the people the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally came out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. So we start this, how does a weary world rejoice? Now, in the Advent season, at the birth of Jesus and the stories of Luke, this story is of birth and infertility, and, and for many, that experience is triggering. It's triggering because so many have experienced the desire for children and it was not possible. And with that, we extend that weariness. We mourn with you. Pause with you. And if that's triggering now, we pray that the closeness and the nearness of God would meet you. And that that weariness would be something you could even write of something that makes you weary. May the Lord tend to us in our weariness today of whatever we might get triggered with this morning. But this story is one that we're told, so the writer Luke tells us immediately, this is Luke saying, here's what you need to know. This family could not have children. They're incapable. What the angel then tells us when the angel shows up, when Zechariah is doing just his work in the temple, alone there by himself, set apart to do this work, the angel tells us, God has heard your prayers. So let us know, Zechariah, this is not something that was hidden. This was not something that Zechariah was silent about. But we don't know if that prayer was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, two days ago, but he's surprised by it. I assume there's been a great distance from the last prayer. In this, we get this picture of weariness. Weariness connected to disappointment, connected to the weakness of life, connected to heartbreak, connected to unmet expectations, but a true weariness 
But Gabriel tells us, God has heard your prayer. Which is a, a moment of good news, a moment of great joy. Your, your prayer has been heard. You're going to be filled with joy. Here it comes, a son's going to be born to you and your wife. And not only just any son, but one who's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to be a messenger for something that the world has been anticipating, has been weary for, to break in. Gabriel brings this good news and says, you will have great joy. Now he's speaking to someone who is weary and says, you will have great joy and gladness. And so will many other people at his birth. But Zachariah responds with this. How can I be sure this will happen? Now, the angels told him, you're going to give birth, you're going to name him John, and here's a couple things. Don't give him any alcohol. Um, He's going to be set apart for the Lord. He's going to do this. Some very specific instructions about how all this is going to take place. What you're supposed to do with them, what you're supposed to name them. And Zachariah is saying, how can I be sure? And not only that, he begins to say, "Um, we're old. This isn't something that happens. I'm old now, and my wife is also well along in the years. He wants more certainty. How can he be sure that this will happen? The angel comes to Zechariah offering good news. But Zechariah can't fully receive it. The question is, why don't you think you can receive it? Again, this is just one of speculation that we get to sit with because the writers left this story for us with portions of it unanswered because it is the human experience to experience disappointment. But also the human experience to not be able to receive good news. Why could he not receive it? And the question could be, maybe, was it because his weariness had caused a hardness? That our, when our weariness just goes unaddressed, untalked about, resignation, somehow our hearts harden. Why couldn't he receive it? But whatever happens, we know that Zechariah is cast into silence for the remainder of the pregnancy. Some of the writers and one of the theologians and the pastors who was putting together materials for this through Sanctified Art said, sometimes weariness can harden us and prevent us from living fully. We've had hard journeys. Grief has left a scar on us. There's the writer Barbara Brown Taylor, and she says this. She said, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, 
It starts in the dark. And so Advent starts in the dark. It starts in the longing. It starts in the weariness. This is where it starts. And so I think there's something about permission um, to know that this is where it starts, in the darkness. This season that we're stepping into is the darkest season of the year. The winter solstice, as Greg was reminding us, is on September the, or December the 21st for our blue Christmas service, the, long, the darkest night of the year, the longest and the darkest. So we are in a season where there's less light. And Advent starts in the dark. And so it seems like in these moments of the weariness, weariness is kind of like on the dark, there's uncertainty. We, we, we don't know where it is, but it, but it starts here. Waiting in the dark. And this is how we show up for Advent. And so let us acknowledge the ways that we too are weary and possibly hardened by disbelief. And then maybe we, we would have this sense to maybe to acknowledge those hardened spots and to step in with some of the prayers of the Psalms and like Psalm 180 that says, God, how long? And so in your weariness, if there's a how long, you're weary from your age, you're weary from the routines of life, you're weary from some unmet longings, and the question could be how long, and maybe you've stopped asking that question because it, kind of, it just, it, gets, it, kind of, it hurts. It's a struggle. It brings the tension with it. It takes our vulnerability. So even to mention this is where I am, and even more so to be able to say, this is where I've been, especially if it's been a long time. How long? And we plead for restoration. Psalm 80, verse 4, Oh, Lord God of heaven's army, how long will you be angry with my prayers? Now, this is a prayer that doesn't say God's angry with our prayers, but it allows us to say, it seems like you're angry because our prayers, you've heard them, but nothing is changing. So what makes you weary? Is the question that we want to say. We want to invite to acknowledge these ways and possibly to break open this kink toes where we're like, nah, this is too much. I don't want my weariness to be expressed, but I also am not going to be able to express joy and to anticipate it. So we want to unkink the hose by God's grace and mercy who's close and with us to be able to say, where are you weary? Brene Brown, I think it's in the, in the um, Atlas of the Heart or Mapping of the Heart, her book, she goes into all the different kinds of emotions and, and the things of our heart, and there's a list of things, and this might help us with even thinking about the things that make us weary and possibly even hardened to disbelief. She has a list of things about the di difference between dis being disappointed, being regretful, being discouraged, uh, being resigned, or being frustrated. These might help you in just thinking about your list. If so, you can take a picture of these definitions if you find these helpful. Disappointed, it didn't work out how I wanted. I believe the outcome was outside of my control. So it's outside of me, but it has not worked out how I wanted. 
What's so interesting about disappointment, what Brene goes into about the research, she says that this is the more, most likely the number one emotion that humans feel. Disappointment. How interesting is that? It's the most frequently experienced emotion. And it tends to be experienced at a high level of intensity. So what are you disappointed with? What hasn't worked out? Regretful. It didn't work out how I wanted, and the outcome was caused by my decisions, actions, or failure to act. So the difference between disappointment and regret, regret has an action part of us that we missed out. We didn't step, or we stepped in the wrong way. Discouraged, I'm losing my confidence and enthusiasm about any future effort. I'm losing motivation and confidence to persist. Resigned, I've lost my confidence and enthusiasm about any future effort. I've lost the motivation and the confidence to persist. Do you see the difference between those two? Discouraged, you're losing your confidence and enthusiasm about any future effort. Resigned, you've lost your confidence and enthusiasm about any future effort. Frustrated, something that feels out of my control is preventing me from achieving my desired outcome. These can just help us to give us language for saying what makes us weary. We can be weary because of our age. We can be weary because of our waiting. We can be weary because we have faced the same routine for years and seemingly watched nothing change. We can be weary for various reasons, but the question must we stay weary? And so we begin. I believe the answer is no, but we must acknowledge it. Acknowledge your weariness in body and soul. And to potentially know that you can rejoice while being weary. Are you able to welcome joy while simultaneously feeling anxious, afraid, alone, sad, and overwhelmed? And if so, what does that joy do to you? Some of us believe in the myth that joy is not something we deserve or that it's wholly out of reach. But our joy, this is one of those statements that those who put this together have made, and I pray that this meets you deeply. Our joy is rooted in the truth that we belong to God. Can you tether yourself to that? Let me rephrase that instead of you being the one who has to tether yourself to that. Can you let God tether himself to you? Can God bind you and say, you belong to me? Not a binding as an enemy, but a binding who says, I have you. And there is nothing, nothing that can separate me from you. I'm bound to you for eternity out of my joy and desire. 
you deserve to feel joy. And the world needs your joy, even if you're weary. Joy is contagious, and it's better shared. So let me move on to what brings you joy. That question. Well, in Luke 1, the angel comes who tells us his name. I'm Gabriel. And he says, God's heard your prayer. Your prayers, your unmet expectations, your desires, your frustrations, your anxieties, your fears, God hears them. God has heard them. God is close, not deaf, not blind, not absent, not ignoring, near, near enough to hear all your prayers, hopes, needs, expectations, fears, anxieties. And the angel tells Zechariah, you will have great joy and gladness at the birth of a son, and many will rejoice in his life as well. Brene talks about joy, and so let me give some definitions because it's elusive. It can be hard to define. And not that it's hard to experience, or that the language is difficult for us. Culturally, I don't think we have a lot of language for joy. But joy is sudden, unexpected, short lasting, high intensity. It's characterized by a connection with others or with God, nature, the expanding universe. Joy expands our thinking and attention and it fills us with a sense of freedom and abandon. Have you experienced that? It can be difficult to articulate it's different. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness, Brene writes, is it, it, it's stable, it's long-lasting, but happiness is typically the result of effort or circumstance. It has lower intensity than joy, and it's more self-focused. With happiness, we feel a sense of being in control. Unlike joy, which is more internal, happiness seems to be more external and circumstantial. That's the difference. Uh, there's a researcher named Matthew Kwan Johnson who explains that people find the very nature of joy pushes the boundaries of our ability to communicate that lived experience. And so, with your little sheet, what brings you joy? This could be difficult. You might be sitting there and saying, I have no stinking clue. And that's okay. But I think by asking the question, and if you're, if you're struggling with that question, here's something that could potentially help you. At the end of each day, look back and ask that question about the unexpected visitor of joy and saying, did I experience joy today? God, where, where did joy break in? And just look for it, even if it was small. As you have this pattern of looking for it, I believe it will show 
and you'll see it and you'll be like, oh yeah, that was an experience, that was joy. And it will give you some language of the experience. I'm like that, I need to look back. I need to look back almost daily to be reminded of this. There was a couple moments that I was reflecting on for me that I, I, I can't articulate it, but I can articulate the experience. So one of them was on Thursday night. Somehow we had the Halloween candy on the, on the counter of our kitchen, which is a bad move for any parent, just sitting there. But inside was a glow stick that somebody had must have given the kids on Halloween. And Harvest popped open the glow stick and was lighting it up in the night, and Caramel was out too. And, um, and then all of a sudden, Harvest wants to turn off all the lights in the house with our glow stick. It's dark because it's like 7 o'clock. And Carmen, remember, we had this whole, like, tub of glow sticks that we had bought for some event that we didn't use them all. And all of a sudden, they start breaking out the glow sticks and popping them in the dark and then putting on their favorite music from Ninjago, the movie, you know, um, Power Ranger theme songs, <laughs> songs from Encanto, you know, all the songs they kind of know. And a dance party erupts in there with glow sticks. And I'm, I'm strapping them in my shirt and in my socks and, you know, and moving to the music. And there's this glass door that's right there in front, a glass sliding door in our house. You can almost see your reflections. And it almost looks like I'm a really good dancer from the way my glow sticks are moving. Yeah, I, I, I got completely self-absorbed into the moment of my dancing. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm moving good. I'm moving good. I'm a terrible dancer. And Carmel's always like, do not learn from your dad dancing, sons. This will, this will hinder you already. Your transracial adoption story is already rough enough, but if you learn to dance from him, this will be undone for your future. So, but we're, we're dancing, and then all of a sudden, too, it turns into this um, glow stick dart war, you know, where we're whipping the glow sticks at each other. And, but it was in those moments, you had these... Bam! Unexpected where you're looking around and you see everyone just moving ridiculously with glow sticks on a Thursday night in the midst of our weariness. So that was one. These moments are just unexpected delight in each other. The other one I was even thinking back, because I don't have this practice of looking back, and I, and I want to do this for Advent, because I want to be able to have language for what brings me joy, um, was it was last, it was a week ago Saturday, and I take Jericho, our two-year-old, to the gym with me on Saturday mornings, and I just kind of let him run, you know, and do his thing there, you know. <laughs> and it, uh, but when we're there and we're doing the warm-up, a number of times he'll join me. I'd put a picture, and he'll just spontaneously come up, and this is like a windmill warm-up pose, and he'll just, he'll run, and he'll come right next to me, and he'll do it with me. And I couldn't, I, I can't tell you the, that feeling of like togetherness and joy. I, I don't care that there's other people there doing, I don't feel anything when my friend Jim or Fede are next to me doing the warm-ups. It, it meets me zero. But when he comes next to me and warms up, it's this spontaneous joy. And not only me, everyone there, because that's the owner who takes the picture because she just can't handle it herself. <laughs> but what would you call that? Connection, 
I don't know. So the practice could be, where did you experience joy today? Did it break in somewhere? You deserve it. You're worthy of it. And God has it for you. There's something about acknowledging it. And you know when you do, you know what it does? It brings gratitude. And gratitude has profound implications for our flourishing and our resilience and for all the weariness that hits us. And it's almost like you're just, you're looking for it in that sense to be grateful for those moments that struck you and the people that were around you and however they were. It's Dr. Robert Emmons, he wrote this, with gratitude, we become greater participants in our lives as opposed to spectators. Isn't that interesting? So much of our life, we're spectators, you know, right? We're looking at computer screens, we're spectating, we're watching shows. But gratitude, you're a participant in your life. This is what's happening. You're seeing it and you're engaging. I love that. And this just helps our joy. So maybe that could be a practice for your list if you struggle like me for being like, what brings you joy? I don't know. Maybe over this week, you could just pause in the evening or at some point and just ask the question, where did I experience joy? And open your imagination and allow God to whisper, allow your memory to touch back to those moments of great joy or of little joy that do so. There's a thing where some of us um, are afraid of good news. We're afraid of joy. If you find yourself waiting for the other shoe to drop, you're not alone. It's called foreboding joy. It's what Brene Brown actually coined the term. It's just most of us experience it. Foreboding joy can be described at that moment when joy is interrupted by thoughts of, but what if something bad happens? Do you experience that? Where your joy is interrupted like, oh, no, this is too good. What a... I don't know if I can handle it. What if, what? I remember um, our adoption story. Anybody who's um, engaged in the adoption process, that every story's different. Every adoption story is different. There is no norm. There is no standard. There is no, but when you step into the adoption process, the workers are very clear with you as you engage the adoption process. And for us, as, they, as you get placed with the family, meaning there's an expectant mother who has chosen you, saying that your family, that the adoption is going to take place. But they kind of say, this is not guaranteed. So even if the baby goes home with you the day of their birth or right after um, the birth, um, do not do a baby dedication. Do not, like, you need to pause because you're still in uncertain ground. Because at any moment, the parent has the right which is appropriate to say, I've changed my mind. This is too much. I want to raise this child. 
So, but they tell you this, right? So it's like, so most who go through, not most, but our case for adoption was we couldn't have children, so we longed for children, right? That longing, that unmet longing. And so we're like, okay, adoption is the story. And you want to celebrate, and you're pumped, and you're ready to go, but yet you're cautioned and told, this is not certain, so don't go crazy. Hold back. And so you feel that, right? That sort of foreboding joy. Oh my, what if, what if, what if, what if you're holding that? And I remember I told the story before, but I went to Trader Joe's. And while I was there, you know, they're, you know they chat with you, you know, uh, at Trader Joe's. When, hey, what's going on in your life? How's your day going? And I'm like, we've got a baby in the house. We're, we're you know, right? and I'm not, I'm not gonna like, well, you know, we're still in the, you know, you're not gonna tell him the whole life story. You just say, we've got a baby, we adopted. And he's like, yeah. And he rings the bell. Ding, 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 ding. And he's like, somebody give me flowers, you know, right? And they bring me these flowers. And I'm like, <laughs> right? Because I'm still in this foreboding joy thing of like, but here's somebody who's like, I'm going full in in your story, you know? And I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed in the midst of uncertainty. I, I meant to send a letter to Trader Joe's and I didn't. I actually wrote it and I have it on my computer still. <laughs> send it, thank you. You're like, do it, activate. So in this, you're, you're still experiencing joy, but you're also worried or convinced or fearful that the joy will leave you. And foreboding joy, joy is the one way that you subconsciously try to protect yourself from vulnerability. That's what Brene writes. And so we push it away. It's uncomfortable and it's scary. We don't want to push the joy away. We need these little moments of joy because they build resilience in us. How does a weary world rejoice? We acknowledge our weariness. We don't look, we're not lowering our expectations. We're going to communicate our expectations and hopes, not running from them, but we're also going to shout out what brings us joy, not running from those things taking a hold of things, even within the uncertainty, and saying yes for them. I laugh with the foreboding joy because McKenna came up to me today, McKenna and her family here, she's like, can we dedicate Noah on December the 31st? And, um, and actually on December the 31st, we're talking about how ritual, like how does a world, how does a weary world rejoice when you engage in ritual? That's what we're talking about on that day as a part of this because Jesus was um, named on the eighth day, circumcision on the eighth day, and then dedicated in the temple 30 days later. That's the story. And so she was just hearing that. It's like, oh, that's what we're going to do. And I laughed because I'm like, we haven't dedicated either our eight-year-old harvest or Jericho, our two-year-old. The cobbler's son has no shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Why? It's like, I don't know. Not that that's the big, you know, but it's like, 
I was telling her like, we're gonna, you should, we should have a day just called Get Crap Done at Genesis. And if you haven't dedicated your kids or been baptized or something, we're just gonna do it, right? I, I used other language for her, but you know, for you, it was the, oh. can we enter this season? So your task for this week, right? Let's unkink the hose. Advent starts in the dark, as anything does. Most things do. Seeds, birth, and Jesus in the tomb. We unkink the hose and we recognize and we acknowledge what, brings us, what makes us weary. As a part of the task, we want you to write it down. Now, out here in the table here, we're going to have a whole bunch more of these because the activity of this week is to do this not alone. Meaning like, do with somebody else, and they, might not, they don't have to do it good. They don't, have to, they, they don't have to be good at it. But to, to do it with someone, to invite someone else to do it, maybe you just text them the things. Maybe you give them and say, hey, I think this, this, is, a, this is a cool practice as we enter into Advent. You're, you're worthy of joy, and the things that make you weary are, are, are worth hearing and someone knowing. So I want you to write them down. We want you to do it with somebody else. And then sometime this week, we want you to tear up the list. As a way of saying, all right, God, it's yours. But we also want you to make the list this week of what brings you joy. And this list we want you to put on your refrigerator or in your bathroom, somewhere where you can see it. Because we're going to come back to it over this month. Continue to add into the list. And if you need to do, if you need one of these every week just to continue to make the list, we got, I got like 300 sheets. All right, they'll be there for you. But we, we don't want you to do it alone. We, we, we want to act that we, because we create spaces of belonging here. This is what we do. This is who we are. And we also, people want to activate. Like, you, like you're encouraging me. You're like, send that letter to Trader Joe's. Get your kids dedicated. You know, it's like, okay, all right, all right. They're on the list. We activate. We say yes. We take those steps. So th- we want you to do these things. If you're like, I'm drowning, it's okay. It's okay. Let it be. But if you feel any bit of wind, go there with us. So those are the things for today. I want to close with a prayer um, from, from Kate Bowler. And she puts out blessings, and she has some Advent materials that are beautiful. And Her name's Kate Bowler. You can go to her website. And this is her blessing for the first Sunday of Advent. God, these are darkening days with little hope in sight. Help us in our fear and exhaustion. Anchor us in hope. Blessed are we with eyes open to see the accumulated suffering of danger, sickness, and loneliness, the injustice of racial oppression, the unimpeded greed and misuse of power, violence, intimidation, and the use of dominance for its own sake, the mockery of truth, and disdain for weakness or vulnerability, and worse, the seemingly powerlessness of anyone trying to stop it. Blessed are we who ask, where are you, God? And where are your people, the smart and sensible ones? 
who fight for good and have the power to make it stick. Blessed are we who cry out, oh God, why does the bad always seem to win? When will good prevail? We know you are good, but we see so little goodness. God, show me your heart, how you seek out the broken, lift us on your shoulders and carry us home, no matter how weak we've become. God, seek us out and find us. We are your tired people. And lead us to where hope lies, where your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Fill me with your courage. Calm me with your love. Fortify me with your hope. And as we pray, we open our hands as a sign of releasing our prayers and then to take up hope as protest. Amen. So we're going to be talking about this this month. How does a weary world rejoice? Joy is contagious. And I don't know anyone more than Andrew who is filled with joy. He's got his Christmas sweater on already. <laughs> and he's like, Bo, and I don't know if he told Nate first, he's like, I'm singing today. And we're like, yes, you are. Joy is contagious and it overflows. He's got a Santa hat, his Christmas sweater on, and he's like, it's Jingle Bells rock time. So before you grab your kids, or if you just need to grab them right now, you can. Before we head down and we eat together, whatever the heck you brought, if, you, if, you, if not, stay and eat with us together in community. If not, grab the extra tools of the scratch paper and then the paper that is here in the lobby in order to do this, these, these projects this week. But as we close with joy, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing with Andrew, Jingle Bell Rock. Are you ready? <laughs> He's ready. You got to move this out of the way. Sing, 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 if I come on, Charlie, come on. Fine, that's not coming. If I say, what good night, man, every Charlie booth, and I spent time. Oh, my, my whole first day, give me a single me, give me a make my phone, last night, me.
มาฟาทานิมาทานมาเกินานิเวทายพอใช่ไหมทายทายทายทายดูว่าเนี่ยนี่ว่าโหเลยยิ่งเรียนยิ่งหดมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิมิ Merry Christmas, Holy Good Night, Amen. God bless you, Amen. Yeah, baby. Merry Christmas. Oh, I missed an opportunity. I should have had glow sticks for us all with Andrew. Oh my gosh, Andrew, I'm so sorry. Next time, glow sticks. Hey, uh, join us for food down in there. Grab the sheets. Have a great Sunday.